0: And we're back. Hello, literally. <laughs> Hello, sorry for the break, everyone. Oh, everybody knows that you had good cause for that break, uh, my friend.
1: But Brad, my I gotta tell you, my intention was to really produce a lot of podcasts while I was out there. It really was. I, <laughs> I left. Know. I left with. I brought my mobile unit. It was like I'm going to be around all these musicians and interesting people. You know, no shortage of interviews, and then. You're 2 weeks in and you're like, wow. I am hanging on by a thread here. You know.
0: <laughs> well, listen, I I got to say as the guy who you know is totally anal about the sound and constantly like thinking like I got to get Benny like this like mobile rig with like multiple microphones as that guy, I have to say that the two that you did were totally like I enjoyed listening to them and and I could and I completely got past any technical yeah failings, and they're I mean the truth is that they actually sound a lot better than I thought they would, but uh, look at that the content completely overcame any limitations or background noise see brad
1: this is this should be a you know this should be a, a testament to how we create things and if you you know who who needs perfection baby
0: it applies to music I should know by now, right doesn't matter how well you produce
1: you know how long it took me to to do that. I just went through this in the studio i was Was working on a song. I knew my part. I played it like three times. sounded nice. Didn't miss anything. And I walk out and I hear it. And I was asked, "Like, you okay with this? How you feeling?" You know. And and in my head, I'm like, I'm like, no. Like, I can't stop until I do eleven more of these. (laughs) Like, you know, make sure that every, that you know. And then at some point, you just got to trust. Like, hey. I got it, man. You know, yeah. things are vibing. Things are good. It felt good. And if that one, you know, snare hit is this compared to that snare hit, just simply doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Jam out some episodes.
0: In fact, historically, it's those little mistakes that give it its flavor, right?
1: That's right. It's like a we cast iron pan.
0: should know that by now.
1: It has taken, I got to say, my last few recording sessions i've had to really reapproach the way like i thought of recording you know and it and partially it's because of of my generation you know like when i started recording drums i was either going to studios still on a reel to reel or an adat like that was the right. only things i ever went on and you know it was expected for the drummer to come in and do a perfect take of the song. Right. You know, unless there was like a cymbal cut or something like that, you had to essentially do from top to bottom, a perfect take of the song. And then everybody gets to start building, you know? And I think I became conditioned over the years because it's very, uh, it's exposing, you know, Like, like you're sitting in the studio and every member of the band and every person who works there is all waiting on you yeah. to do this perfect version of the song so everyone else could keep working. And, and you know, the way I I think I got over, like, my insecurity there was by, like, over-rehearsing shit to the point that I knew every little thing to, you know, inside and out where by the time I sat down and started doing something, I could have done it. 50 times the exact same way because I had it so mapped out. Right. And, you know, you don't really have to do that anymore to get perfect recordings, right? Or to get the same thing you want. You can kind of spare yourself the, uh, the agita, you know, in a lot of ways, if you're just willing to, to go into it a little more free and be like, you know what? I like this part. But if we do a different part, that's fine. And now we have the, the, you know, the tech to, to make it happen seamlessly. So I feel like the last two or three times I've recorded, you know, that last mercy union record and this town liar record I did and, you know, working on this new gaslight stuff, I'm, you know, trying to approach it. Like, uh, I, I'm, uh, rehearsing myself more than I'm rehearsing the songs, you know? Yeah. Where like, I'm like, yo, I'm going to be, tight. You know what I mean? My, my chops are good. I'm playing good. I'm ready for anything. Let's go. More than like, I have to learn every little beat of this, you know, three and a half minute long song or else I'm going to shoot myself. So it's interesting.
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, there's, there are producers out there now who, who know and embrace this and, and, and this is a really good point because this also applies, believe it or not, like, this was a big issue, kind of with auto tune, right? Mm. Is that the thing that, as awful as auto tune can be, and as like sterilizing, the one thing that it can do, and that a lot of like good engineers know what to do, with it, is it like it can kind of allow a singer to get an amazing, amazing, an emotional take that they actually might not otherwise be able to get,
1: mm-hmm. either because
0: they're thinking too much about hitting pitch, or just because. They just didn't you know, they just didn't get it. And and yeah. and if you use it sparingly and only in a couple places so that it's not so that you don't leave something that may be like embarrassing or noticeable. Sure. Mainly it's sure. noticeable. It actually allows for like a more spontaneous take. And the same is true with 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 full bands. And I think this is not understood by the public. And it's... And I'll tell you something. It's not understood by a lot of engineers and producers either. But the truth is if a band can go in the studio all together, maybe not completely fleshed out and play together and not do it the old way... Because the way that you're talking about is the way that was drilled into my head, too, was like, yeah. we do it until the drummer gets his his locked yeah. and then we build on it. But, like... Yeah. Now, you can do it until you get a take that's like, whoa, wait a minute. That was fucking cool. And, like, that little part in the middle when you guys didn't know that it was going to go there. Right. We can fix that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Or, or getting this beautifully, like, a vocal track that's just substantial and heartfelt and warm. And at two points in the vocal take, you tweak it to the note. Yeah. You know, that's better. It's better. Yeah. It'll sound better. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like yeah. a new way of approaching things. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because we all know that, like doing it to death will take will take the fucking life out of no, it. No, and
1: then you don't know. That's the thing I was trying to not get into. Too many times I've been parsing through like fourteen drum tracks, trying to find this. It's just confusing. Yeah. Like yeah. I have to trust myself enough that okay, I knew what I wanted to do, and I just did it, and it's fine. You know, um, yeah, that that's definitely taken some work. But uh, hey, it was nice to chat with Winston. Oh, oh so goodness. cool, dude. What so an cool. epically cool rock <laughs> and roller. I've always been, I've been drawn to Parkway Drive for a while. I mean, I got introduced to him not super early on, but I think when we kind of started doing festivals together, sort of in like, you know, like the oh eight oh nine two thousand ten 2010 range. And I started seeing them a lot. And I, you know, we shared a publicist at a point and kind of were interconnected. And, you know, I always kept a, an eye on them and always went to see them and was into the band. And then uh, Reverence came out in 18. And I was like, ooh, new Parkway Drive. I'll check it out. I fucking loved it. Like, <laughs> it, it was like, it came out of nowhere for me too. I was in like a very like hip hop soul kind of run. Of listening to music and this record is fucking massive and it's like i thought i was gonna get just like a hardcore record again right. and instead i got this thing that was just like massive in scope like cool as fuck and i felt like more than i was at like a hardcore show i was at like an iron maiden concert <laughs> and i'm like fuck yeah like and winston leans into the vocal thing where i'm like every once in a while i'm like fuck he's like going kind of Dave Mustaine there like yeah. you know and and this real creepy uh you know talked over parts where i feel like it's just fucking cool and i've been like reinvigorated into Parkway Drive since and then doing research for this interview and i stumbled upon you know the the short documentary they did for australian tv and really opened themselves up to their to their fans and i don't know i think they're really Doing great work and have put their career on a lovely arc. And now with what they just did, I think opened up their career for quite a long time to do whatever the fuck they want, really. So super exciting. And but always comes down like the whole, you know, is really down to earth and still understands the the world in a rational way, which I appreciate. So yeah. So good band to get behind, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I agree.
1: You like to mosh, don't you?
0: Uh once upon <laughs> a time, my friend. My kid my kids are both so into, into moshing, and they're like, they're like, yes. what's the deal? They can't figure oh. it out. You know, they oh, want to know dude. who does it, why, is it violent? And I'm like, I mean, just, you know, I've been there for the whole arc of it. Just you know, send them, like,
1: just send them all they gotta do is watch a few videos, right? <laughs> you gotta watch what is that one sick of it all video where they like they actually showed the yeah, moves, yeah. you know. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Floor punch line. and the, that <laughs> one's good. There's an AFI one where they rip pretty good. Give them maybe <laughs> Onyx slam. That's fun. You know, and and really, you know, give them the, the debriefing. Right. Just teach them, please, how to correctly jump off of a stage. You know, yeah. We've done too many interviews with people who have told us embarrassing stage diving stories, <laughs> you know. At least save them that. Save them that.
0: Uh
1: All right. Well, this was a vast interview, and uh, let's hear it. How are you doing, Winston? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah? Just cruising
4: at home and rolling up to Christmas. You know, it's um, it's nice. Can't really complain. It's it's,
1: it's Wednesday morning. <laughs> yeah, Wednesday morning. Okay, I don't know. Like I don't Tuesday, know. Yeah. Tuesday <laughs> evening for us. Yeah, it's which a good day. It's just yeah. fucking crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Like yeah. you know, you're over there, and like we're here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I what always think that? of that. I remember d- during like I think it was uh, when it turned the year two thousand. Rich people were like. Like doing the year 2000 like three times. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. I mean,
4: you, you can get on a plane and then you can go to Tonga right. and you start there and then you go to Australia and then you hop on a plane and you go somewhere yeah. else and you get three yeah, yeah. millenniums. <laughs> I
1: was wow. really sem- semi jealous of it when it was happening. Yeah.
0: But <laughs> Benny, I've got an even weirder Ooh. like thought that's What's that? weirder than that. God, we're, we're butt to butt with him, our butts are facing each other. <laughs>
4: Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, there's a planet in between, but yeah, that's 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 strange.
1: <laughs> yeah, planet in between. Yeah, it's like that scene in Requiem for a Dream, right? Yeah, <laughs> ass to ass. Um, oh, Brad, how did you take it here already? <laughs>
0: like, I always think about that when I think about down on the
1: <laughs> well wow. uh, that's the first thing it
4: goes to it comes to your home.
0: <laughs> That always
1: happened to me in Jersey City as well, because one of the signifying factors of living in that city is that you get the Statue of Liberty's ass. <laughs> <laughs> like like,
2: the like joy. Brooklyn
1: and New York get the the you know, the robe and the you know, the smile. We get just this this kind of bulky too, like butt, you know, because it's just like a big robe. You know? <laughs>
4: Like, they don't, they right. don't put in that in any of the Jersey City, bro- City brochures, but yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: no, not,
1: <laughs> the, not unique, often. the unique sights of Jersey City. <laughs> Enjoy the 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 co- the lower back of of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so it's the morning there. I mean, Winston, you're a very fit fella. Try to be, or at least you appear that way. What, what's yeah, thanks. Yeah. What's your morning routine like? Like, how do you? get up and start attacking the day like what's i wake up and
4: feel like a 40 year old man which is what i am (laughs) which means i wake up and everything creaks (laughs) Uh uh so generally like i I go to the gym in the afternoon five days a week and that means i just like i wake up in the morning stiff as hell so i gotta i gotta stretch but generally i get up get a coffee stretch go and check the surf and um if there's surf, put off every bit of business I have to do until there's no surf. And if there's no right. surf, yeah, yeah. come home and do some business and roll on through, man. That's that's kind of oh, it. I love
1: it's, that. It's quite simple. How close to said surf do you live? Uh, two blocks kind of thing. Like right there. <laughs> yeah. It's um a
4: we live in a really nice part of the world so there's some really like the coastline is really nice here so generally like pick up a coffee from the coffee shop and just drive around and look at all the beaches and see where the surf's going to be make plans after that and yeah I really can't complain to be honest it's a very nice lifestyle
1: how many days a week are you uh, getting out Oh, as many as there are waves,
4: basically. Um, yeah, right. These days, like, I'm not as crazy as I used to be when I was a kid, when it was just like, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, I'm out there. Like, some of my friends right, surfed right. for, like, 700 days in a row straight without missing a day. <laughs> Jesus, <wow. laughs> yeah, which is insane. But um, but these days, like, at least, like, three times a week kind of thing. There's, there's generally a lot of surf in this area, so... Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the lifestyle I've grown up in, and it's what I was doing before. I was in a band, going to places where beaches didn't exist. Like <laughs> you're, <laughs> right. you're you're playing a gig in Prague, and you're not really checking the surf in the morning. So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I that that's super cool. I uh, your parents were surfers as well, right? Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Basically, everyone everyone from our town. Most most people's parents were surfers, like they. Yeah. This this region is synonymous for having like really good waves. Like it's it's in a really Byron Bay. Like if anyone doesn't know where I'm from, I'm from a town called Byron Bay in Australia. It's the oh, most yeah. easterly point of Australia. Um, I, should, and I
1: should have mentioned that? It's yeah. Place. This is why this is why my journalism degree is oh yeah
4: they're, has been that <laughs> But it's, um, so it's, it's right. Like it's right on the point where, um, it starts it's in the subtropics. So like the, right. the weather's really nice pretty much all the time of the year, but it's right at the spot where you still get the really solid, like swells coming up from the Antarctic. So we have this, this region where you can surf all times of the year and be really comfortable. The, the sand's white, the ocean's like, stunningly perfect the rainforest goes down to the sea and the waves are pretty much always good so all of our parents generation like moved up here to escape unemployment and just subscribe to the surfing like they were just surfers who were like, "Well, I'm just going to live there because the waves are always good and it's nice, and we can't get jobs, but we'll just surf and we'll raise our kids here, and and that's what we grew up with." So everyone's basically everyone in the town's parents surfed, and then they taught their kids how to surf as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, se- it seems like you're like one or two generations removed from some sort of uh, almost like like a cultural exodus or oh, something. Hundred yeah. percent. So, 100%, so like, what, what was like, what was the story there? And when did that kind of begin? Um, it's like, it's the
4: flow on effect from like the fifties into the sixties generation. Like my dad okay. is from, from Brighton. It's really interesting. I was talking to him about this yesterday, actually, but like, yeah, he's like his, that, the generation before that went through all the wars and everything. And then um, okay. especially like having a parent from, from England where that was very prevalent. You're like, you're, you're dealing with a, a a generation that's quite stiff, put it that way, and then the next generation. Obviously, everyone knows the stories of what it is. It's like it is that revolution, and that involved a lot of travel, and also like that was when when surfing really like, boomed in terms of it becoming a, a, an actual culture phenomenon, and that especially in Australia because this this country is enormous, and the amount of coastline yeah. that we have, and the the lack of population. Like at that era, was a was a huge like frontier sport kind of thing in terms of what people would go to the lengths that they'd go to in this very vast land that we live in, yeah, to find waves like the stories, frontier in the,
1: sport, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, it's it's
4: crazy. Yeah, like like uh, these days, gnarly, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like it's like, you re, you read some of the books, like like some of the I'm going to say pioneers of surfing this this region that I live in now, and they used to they all came from Sydney, and they knew about these places up here. Which back in the day, it used to take them like three days to drive up here, and they'd have right. to. There was no bridges over the rivers; they had to like catch. Like a little ferry, and go up all these dirt roads. And these days, it's a six-hour drive from Sydney to, to
1: right, Byron Bay, right. and it used <laughs> yeah, to take yeah. them three
4: days. And then they'd just find these these like locations, these point breaks, and these capes, and these headlands on the map, and just drive up to them. There was nothing there. Like there was occasional sure. farmers, but they'd just be driving through the bush and just smashing their way until they got to the got to the coast and was like, "Yep, this wave's here." <laughs> and that was yeah, what that generation right, right. had. So it really was like the adventure of, of living outside of society to a degree. And then slowly society's just expanded. And I mean, when you, when you start seeing photos of, of the coastline in Australia, you realize how beautiful it is and why people come here and obviously more people yeah. just keep coming in.
1: I saw that, uh, what's his, what's he play? Uh, Thor? Wait, who's Chris yeah, yeah, Hemsworth? Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, Thor. yeah. I heard Thor <laughs> lives there now. He yeah. built a quite a big estate.
4: Oh yeah, dude. Like it's, um, there's a, this became during COVID, this became like the second Hollywood. It's nuts. Like, it, it oh, it, really? Yeah, we had this really strange thing happen where it was just like a lot of our, uh, our country went into lockdown when
1: COVID happened. And, yeah, um, right. and oh, yeah, and you guys stole Tom Hanks, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you, we got Tom, Hanks, Tom like, Hanks, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks, like
4: <laughs> Natalie Portman, like it. it a lot of Hollywood shut down. They started shooting movies like just out the back of, of Byron, like in another district, and like three or four mov- movies and a bunch of series all started firing up at the same time. And um, a lot oh, of the, really, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like a wow. lot of the um, and a lot of the people that that brought spotlight onto our region as well because basically we had no real COVID restrictions up here because it's just a tiny little town. Like there's there's like fifteen thousand sure. people in our town. But um, right. everyone from all the major cities were looking at our town going, well, we can't go into work anymore. And we're stuck in these cities being locked down. So why don't we just sell our house for tens of millions of dollars in the city and go up to Byron and just buy something there. And all of a sudden, like millions and billions of dollars worth of real estate started passing hands in this this town. And it just wow. blew up. It it went That's absolutely crazy. nuts. Yeah. it's It's wow. strange. Like it's strange properties went from being worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars to like, yeah, tens of millions within, within six months. I can't months.
1: imagine. Is that, is that, I, I can't imagine that's viewed very positively. No. from, from <laughs> the yeah. No, it's, it's,
4: but it's, but it's gone past. Like it's, it's just crazy. It was like, it's gone, it's gone past the, the point of a, a being something which is ever going to go back. Like now there's, there's real estate right. held by, held by billionaires, which is just, it's held for an investment purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. So yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like, it's a very weird time to live here, having grown up here and like knowing, like even in our era, era when we grew up here, like I said, it was, our, it was our parents' generation and a lot of our parents' friends. And like my parents' parents were, I'm just going to say dodgy. Like it was, it's a pretty lawless <laughs> pl- it was a pretty lawless place. Like people who came up here did whatever they could to survive, which most of the time meant Dealing drugs, <laughs> oh, okay. really. So, so it was really sketch. It, it was sketchy. It was like weird. was that part
1: of, of it too, because it was almost like a like a port city. Was it like nah, no, no port? For drug- it's no port, but it's more like just. Okay. It
4: was more just. It's definitely like a temperate environment for growing a lot of weed. Put it that way. <laughs> sure.
1: Hey, you gotta you gotta make your way, baby.
4: <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, it's, until it's until the it's Walmart strange.
1: opens, you got to figure out. That's it, it out. man.
4: Yeah, until yeah. until Mark Wahlberg buys the local cinema. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: So I mean, so like from you know with with parents who came there and committed to surfing culture, I got to imagine that came with a little bit of a natural inclination towards like alternative lifestyle. Yeah. In general, um so what was like your upbringing when when you were little like was it was it fairly unconventional um it was unconventional definitely in the sense
4: of my mom is a nurse so she was oh, the huh. primary breadwinner so she's worked her ass off for god like she's 70 what is she now 74 something like that still and, working um, so yeah, still working oh, retired badass. at 60 still working Bad. still still like still a nurse Lovely. um and dad and dad took up like took care of us so we went to school um but we were definitely in like just encouraged to be creative people or or follow whatever we wanted to do like in terms of like i don't know the approach to education and it went further than just you rocking up at school like that, our parents were always very interested in explaining to us why the world worked the way it did and like in terms of nature and politics and everything like that sharing everything rather than necessarily just going go to school get some grades sure, um, sure. so yeah it's it was a it was quite a free upbringing I'm gonna say my parents have done a really really awesome job like there's nothing I can look back at and go damn you really dropped the ball there and I'm very grateful for what we've for what we've had um and looking back at it like that's where it, it gave us a chance to be creative like that was never shunned for the, st- the sake of like trying to get some grades um my dad like, grew yeah. up as an, as an artist and a carpenter so he was a, a sculptor um oh, so wow. he's yeah which is which is really really neat so he's definitely very hands-on with like uh, i guess just Life in general, like it's had a pretty sure. gnarly, pretty crazy life with what he's done in the first place. Yeah, so yeah. when you when you're like, I'm going to try and do a band, they're like, Yeah, go for it. Like, sure, Sick, we'll support you with that. <laughs> yeah, so, just, yeah. Just
1: generally utilitarian people tend to tend to respect just like work, right? And like, yeah, yeah, done. yeah,
4: yeah. That's it. So when you when they grow up chasing waves and traveling the globe, doing whatever they did, and then settling down here, you kind of go, okay, well. I kind of know where the priorities are for, their, right. for life in general in the first place, and it's definitely different from if I was going to a private school in a major city sure. with a banker father.
1: <laughs> yeah. So if yeah, if you were like, oh, I listen, I, I'd love to go to law school. I want to do that. That would have been the unconventional path.
4: Probably, yeah. yeah. And it's weird. Yeah. Like I did law in high school and stuff, and they're still very supportive of that. But um, I don't know. I never, I never gravitated towards that stuff anyway. I was never very like academics for me was. I find it interesting as in the knowledge that I get, but the, the, the structure that it's contained within, the authoritarian nature of it is always grated yeah, with right. me. Like I, was, I always took in stuff at school and I'm like, this is like this is fascinating and finding out th- how things are working. But I don't want to write an essay on it and I don't want to grade for it because I can't yeah. be bothered doing that. Like I've got the information sure. now. Why do I have to prove to you that I know it?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm raising kids now and I'm like trying to find that balance of, you know, Yeah. like, like how much of that to give them by, but also put them in a position to like potentially succeed if they want to. Oh know? man,
4: it, like, it must be such a challenge. It must be such a challenge, especially in this day and age. Like it's I I don't have kids myself. Like I've been married for almost 10 years now. I've been with my um my wife for 20 yeah 20 wow. something years now nice. we've been together for a long time Amazing. but we we have ne- nieces and nephews who were very close um uncles and aunties of and seeing just the <laughs> the difference in gro- like the what they have to deal with growing up and how to how to try and navigate the digital
2: world <laughs>
0: in terms yeah, yeah. of
4: kids and like the, the world that they're going to be looking at. I'm like, holy crap, I thought it was complicated when we were kids. And I'm like, Jesus, this is nuts. Like, how yeah. do you even try and provide a pathway or try and yeah, help someone navigate their life went through this this day and age is when this is just starting point. Like this is the the place where you're beginning and it's only gonna get more complicated. Like it's wild. Yeah.
1: It's true. I mean, I also like sometimes when I get to like a maximum point of feeling that pressure, I also go like, you know what? Sometimes people smoke crack and pull this off. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm trying yeah. really hard yeah. and doing my <laughs> best. So like, I love like, that it goes there to the, the, the most extreme. It's fine, you know. like yeah. we're just well, increasing odds here. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I, I could be doing meth on the weekend. I'm not. You know, like so, you know, one bonus for me. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was, I was wondering because, I don't surf, but I know a lot of people who do, and you know, I know it's like more than just like a sport. It's it's a, yeah. you know, it's a it's a connection with the sea and with nature. It's very yeah. spiritual and very cool. Um, and I was wondering, like, since you all sort of seem to grow up in the water, and you know there's such a you know a rush of serotonin when you're out there and then mm. you know a very chill effect after and stuff like that and i was wondering if like a, a live show kind of fills the same sort of like physiological need as as surfing does and maybe that was one of the reasons you all were attracted to that
4: yeah it's a it's a combination so the adrenaline yeah definitely um and when you're, when you're a kid, it's more like surfing is more the adrenaline side of things when you're, when you're a kid, like everything else kind of, the more time you spend in the ocean chasing this thing, the more like it kind of ingrains itself in a much deeper level, which sounds mm. hippie as hell, but, it, but it's, but it's it's real, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> real. Like it's, it's, it's real. You can't, you yeah. can't spend your entire life like trying to be in an environment, which is not like which you're completely alien to. Um, right. And you have to learn the way that that environment works and not form a connection because it's all about trying to form a connection to be able to understand it. Um, right. And then, but when you're a kid, like it's the way that we literally got into music in general was like, you know, in your teenage years, when you really start, like music starts hitting you, you start, oh my God, I can I can relate to the lyrics that are being sung about here. This is soundtracking a formative part of my life. Like that formative mm. part of our lives was was high school and an, an era of surfing and surf movies where like punk rock was the soundtrack. Like yes, every surf right. movie that we watched was like, it was Epitaph, it yeah. was fat records. It was like, it was, it was offspring smash, like being the biggest thing going. Right. Like it was, it's so all those Pennywise.
1: So, so much, much Pennywise, penny man. So <laughs> much Pennywise.
4: So yeah. yeah, that like that, that was the thing, which, which, which soundtracked the surfing movies, which like got you that adrenaline high to run out into the waves. And then those songs are playing in your head while you're in the waves. And it's all hyperactive. And the tour yeah. so joined together. Um, that that's kind of where it where it all launched off. And then from there, like you, you kind of I don't I mean, the way we got it, we got into it was that was obviously a much more approachable kind of music than than anything we'd you'd you'd heard before as a kid. Like it's the kind of music where you're like, I can actually play that or I can kind of perform that. It's not it doesn't seem out of reach. It doesn't seem like something that's like top of the charts, done by someone that has a million dollars and a massive record label behind them and is known yeah, as a star. Sure. It's punk rock. So, like that was the, the the connecting piece between the two the two kind of cultures for us. Um yeah. But it grow like as you go on as a band, you find that the connection it's strange the two paths are very similar but they diverge and they both go much deeper as you go on as an artist as well because you find different levels of expression and different things that you you expand into in different ways you want to express yourself which takes you away from just that adrenaline starting point and the same thing right. happens in surfing sure. as well it becomes like adrenaline's part of it but it, it becomes so much more so it's a huh. they both have it that same like at, at the core that's both where they started but they have slowly crept away, where they offer you huh. equal. I'm going to say equal highs, but different highs.
1: Yeah. So what? Like now that you're 40, and recently 40, right? Congratulations. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. Um I made it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously. It's a, yeah. Hell it's, yeah, man. I'm stoked. That's the way. I, what I feel about it. I'm like every day after 40 without cancer is a fucking win.
4: Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: yeah. But like. Uh, so so when you go out now at 40 you know what are you what are you hoping to like walk back home with like are you looking to gain something there or on the opposite are you looking to lose something there
4: Oh that's a really interesting way of looking at it I've never even thought about the losing something to be honest but I'd got to say that like it's interesting cuz there's there's two different there's two different things there. Like there's 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 two very di- like I said different pathways with surfing right. and with being on stage, and they both provide a similar thing. So like when I'm when I'm going for a surf, like there's it's it's anticipation and training and planning and a lifetime of um, of experience that all comes mm-hmm. down to uh, chasing like I guess a furthering of your experience. In the ocean and knowing what you want to do. Every time you come in for a surf, you know where your limits are of, of how big, like what you're, what you're aiming to do. Like, are you aiming to ride bigger waves, crazier waves, ride it in a different way or something like that? It's not going to be presented. The opportunity is not going to be presented every time you hit the ocean, like that, comes with conditions, right. which comes with sure. reading the charts, knowing where these waves are going to be, and what you're aiming to achieve from it, and then training to be able to execute when it happens. Because, like, the good surf can rock up, but if you're not fit, you aren't. You're not getting out, and you're not riding it as well as you want to ride it, <laughs> right. or can. Like, you just get rolled, <laughs> take off, and like your body doesn't sure. perform, and you just go, "Yep, this doesn't work," and you just get smashed and thrown to the beach and humbled. <laughs> right, right, so, right. so you, so the aim is to uh, these days to have. To have the goal of achieving something, and even if the surf isn't where it's going to be, it's 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 knowing what to do to not only like work towards that goal, but still enjoy what you have in front of you, because that's yeah. that at the end of the day, it's all just it's just fun. Like it, it, it really <laughs> right. is just fun. You rock it. Like I'm not rocking up the surf, just going oh, got to grind out these small waves yeah, just so right, I can surf right, the good ones. Right. Like it's still it's still massively enjoyable, but at, at the back of my mind, I do like try and work on little things every, every single time. And with that comes like the drive of any, any goal. Like you get, you get those little successes and you take notes and you have like mental steps that you're going through as you you do it. And you, you come out of the water having achieved something and also having achieved a a connection and gone through like a a process and a state of mind where you've had to have been focused, but at the same point in time in a complete rhythm, like you're, you're bobbing up and down in time. In a very specific pattern, like if you're if you out in the surf and the storm has caused waves within an eight-second interval, you're going up and down, eight seconds, every right. single wave, up and down, up and down. Like even when the waves, uh, doesn't matter what size they are, like they're coming at a very regular interval. It's like this strange hypnotic kind of thing. You, you don't notice really start to notice, it. notice
1: that timing when you're out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And
4: not you sure. notice it or you don't notice it, and it lulls you into a different place. And like you, there's no background noise. There's just like... The sound of the ocean, which is very like everything becomes very rhythmical. And it's like this hypnotic yeah. state that you kind of go into. And huh. you find that like you can go into the water with all the stress in the world and leave it with none. And that's more often than not what happens. Like you don't come out of the water feeling worse than when you went in. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, it's a, it's nice. And then stage, you've got a very similar thing in terms of you don't get to just, rock up to the same gig every night. Every gig is completely individual Mm -hmm. and you can kind of, you know what's coming up in terms of your tour schedule. So you have all these similar things that you plan for with what you, what you aim to achieve. But then the way you're expressing yourself artistically is that's a completely different thing from, from going for stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's how, it's what you're choosing to put out there, how deep you're choosing to go, like what you're trying to convey to the audience, how it it changes from record to record or night to night, or how you like, how deep you choose to lose yourself in that performance and how, like, yeah. how far down to the core material you choose to commit on the, on an evening. Because sometimes like it's, you really want to commit to like that place that you were at in the studio that that brought those emotions out, and sometimes it's too hard. So you get you, you get yeah. slightly distracted, or you're more focused on the audience at that point in time, and you you get a different sure. thing yeah. out of it. But you but that as well is a real sense of catharsis. Like you leave, you have this amazing connection for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever the set is, and you leave it out there on the stage, and you you get this amazing energy returned from the audience who is like, yeah. no, no one rocks up to a gig to have a bad time. Like everyone rocks up to, <laughs> yeah. to feel the connection. Like they're not rocking up to you go, I hate this. Take my money.
1: <laughs> I want to waste yeah, my time. Right, here. Right, right, right.
4: <laughs> so, so it's always a heightening.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, com- it's like comedians say they're like, they're like, it's the easiest job in the world. Everyone is here to laugh. Yeah. That's it, exactly like yeah. yeah 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 so as long as you harness that part of it, yeah it's funny,
4: yeah so it's, it's a it's a really interesting one
1: <laughs> it is it is and and it seems like both crafts too that seem like uh as you advance with age, um you know, you take different things from it and can kind of enjoy it more once you get almost like I really related to what you said, with the ocean being different and shows being different. And the older you get, you can kind of like, you know, like what the shortcoming of this show is going to be and you know mm. how to do something to, you know, pad that part of it or, you know, this is going to be a great part of this show. Or you've been to this city before and, you know, to expect this yeah. and this and like, yeah, and there's a lot of different ways to uh, to move if you stay creative and not rigid. And I, I like yeah. your your mindset with that to keep it keep it flowing rather than like, Hey, this is just what we do, you know? Yeah.
4: Yeah. That's it. Exactly. It's a, it's a, and it, yeah, it does, it does come down to experience and just life, life experience and, and connect like connection to what you care about. And in, in music's case, like, I mean, that that it's, it's art and it's such a uh, um, like for what we do, it's, it's, a collective of art within within a group right. of people who have a common a common goal but separate goals within that, which is a really interesting space to be in. Whereas, like surfing is just solitary. Like even if you're with your friends, it's a solitary experience. It's one person, right. one wave. Yeah, <laughs> but, but when you're a right. band, you're on there. Yeah, it's, it's such a community thing. It's a community then within a community of of the audience included, which is oh. which is yeah, it's it creates a very different dynamic to play around with with in terms of expectation and and commitment and how how a an experience of just one night is gonna happen because you do sure. get to you get to basically take that time capsule of that set. And set it apart from the next night and the next night, and they're all individually based on yeah location, personality, yeah. like the rooms, the, th- the way you're feeling that night, if the burrito you had before dinner <laughs> oh. is sitting correctly, like all of oh. those things,
0: man. <laughs> oh, the great
1: curse, the yeah. great curse. Of it. <laughs> We've all done you, uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's so many times. It's, my most common problem on tour has to do with shitting. Almost. Yeah. Always. Everyone yeah, does. Everyone's the does.
4: The time. <laughs> timing off or mistiming off.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's you know, I've been thinking a lot especially, you know, I just did a bunch of touring and came home and you know, as I get older I notice something more that used to happen that that I don't know if I'm more self-aware or as I get older my chemical imbalances become more severe or whatever, but um you know, this like you said, you go up on stage and you you have a lot of buildup for the show and anxiety and, or I don't know if you do, I do. And, and you you, you build it up and you get to this tension point and then you get out there and then it's just this huge rush of energy. And, uh, not only from you, but from the people coming back to you and the the room or the place is just filled with kind of a, a hyper stimulation that doesn't exist in like real life. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and and I find like I get back home and the lights get shut off sometimes and it's harder and harder to be like uh, not to mock that feeling but to to find a replacement for that feeling like did yeah. you find that and what do you do? oh yeah hundred percent like man that? it's the yeah. it's the
4: come down it's 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 really like it's a it's a big challenge it's a really really big challenge it's and and it's not just like the the being on stage part of it because that really like I haven't found a, re- a replacement or something that,
1: right, that yeah
4: that, like I found something like surfing does something different, which is rad. And luckily I'm connected to that, which I'm like, cool, I'll go do that thing. But there's nothing that like it's, ve- it's, 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 it's co- I find it difficult because it causes isolation to the point of like, it's not even what's it like being on stage. It's just what's it like being on a band and going on tour and all mm-hmm. of all of those things and just trying to explain that to people that haven't done that create or, or creates an immediate barrier in the first place. And this comes down to even like my closest friends. So yeah, oh you yeah, come you home. Can and not, you can You
1: can't. You, you can't. can't. And then
4: and then you and then you you're left with not just that, you go home into an environment where it's very hard to even explain what yeah. tour was like when your best mate's like, how was tour? And you're like, it's good. All you can say is yeah. If you Sick. say
1: anything but good, you just sound like the biggest dick. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it,
4: and, and 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 that's it. And that, but but at the same point in time, you are you have all those that that regimented schedule stripped away from you, right. and that given high that you get in the evening of like, yeah, it is like that is it's such an intense time in terms of endorphins and everything that's going into you. Like the fact that you can that it makes the perception of time speed up and slow down while you're in that moment. I've never felt something yes. like the idea of something going so fast or so slow, Oh my god! To, to, like yeah. simply yeah. because of what's going through your body. Like all of a yeah. sudden you're playing a song and if you play to a click track or something and you've jammed this song for ages and all of a sudden you're on stage and you're like, has someone slowed this down 20 BPM? <laughs> like why does this song seem so slow? And that's that's literally your perception of time because of the chemicals or the going burrito. through burrito. Or the burrito. Yeah, or the burrito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why is this set going so yeah. slow? Get so me slow? off stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's um like all of a sudden not having that is a uh, it screws with you big time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Big like big time. And it's um there's no way around it. Like the the way I deal with it is just Surrendering to the fact that that is the way it is. um I ha- like I have wonderful family and live in a really cool place, and luckily, like my my wife and I have been together since before we're we're a band. So right. she she is kind of You've picked up on this. Yeah. She's seen the whole ride. She gets it. Like when I when I come home and she's like, oh you're obviously still in tour mode and then she gets it when it flips <laughs> right. off and I go, and I go kind of weird and she's like, you're coming down from tour mode now. So yeah, right, yeah right, but right, it's a, yeah. uh, it's just a flip in and a flip out. You can't really, there's no real coping mechanism other than, I don't know. I really don't know. Distraction. Like real. It really is just kind of distraction.
1: Yeah. My wife just asked me the same thing. When we were having this conversation. She's like, so what can you, you know, use as a replacement for that? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, you tell me where we live. Yeah. <laughs> where I'm going to go find a, a couple yeah. thousand people yeah. to sh- to share the things I crafted over the last, you yeah. know, this many years, and and then and, and, and
4: then shower them. you with praise and yeah. applause.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh my you God! Know, you did
4: that thing. Yeah. That thing that I love so much that yeah. I paid money to come and exactly. see. Here Can we well, find that at
1: the fucking Olive Garden? Or- yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs>
4: Yeah, man. I'll go through the drive-through and try and explain to them what I do and see if I can get the response back for them. You know what
1: happens when I tell people I play drums around here? They go, oh, you know what? I know a guy who books concerts <laughs> Thursday nights yeah. at the Corner Pocket. It's a great yep. little place. Yep. You know, yeah.
4: You guys yeah. should do a gig there. I think you'd be at a really responsive crowd. Like, yeah. Yep.
1: I'm saying, I, yeah, oh, cool. I, 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 you know what? I never say anything. I always take the business card. I'm yeah. like, I'm like yeah. oh, great, great. Give me the Thanks. number. I'll, I'll give him a call. We sound like such
4: spoke? spoiled jerks right now, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. This is why you can only talk about it with each other. Yeah, I know, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, the reason I bring it up is because, like, I, you know, I feel this. It's very tangible. And and I feel like my heroes growing up, you know, their style of dealing with this was not dealing with this. was not even recognizing yes. it as a thing. And it was yes. like... And then, you know, it was just using booze or using That's drugs it. or using That's it. You know, when you hit a certain age and you gotta be realistic, I always make the joke, like, you know, at 35 in rock and roll, you gotta choose either Lemmy or Sting. Yeah. You know, there's no middle yeah, class. You wow. either gotta go full tantric or full fucking ripper. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> you know, and like, so I feel like it's important to talk about even just like I want like younger people getting into music to at least just like know yes. that this is like a possibility like you might get yes. fucked up and you should be aware of these pitfalls, you know. Oh, 100% man. I feel like out of any
4: industry. It's it's so it's crazy because it is such a massive industry. Yeah. There is so there's like no handbook for it seems like everyone like that everyone has more of an idea of what to expect than the artist. Every single person involved in the industry Mm. has more of a, more of a unspoken rule book on how to deal with things or pathways or anything than the actual artist themselves. Yeah. Um, And
1: -hmm.
4: it's, it's a really, yeah, it's, it's really, really crazy. You don't, you don't, you don't really understand it when you're younger, but that's because no one takes the time to, to tell you that. And I feel like the generation, like we're probably one of the the first generations to actually reach an age where we can look at it and go, drugs aren't going to help this. Right. Booze isn't going to help this because right. we're up until this point, like it seems like that has been the only prescription for longevity in terms yeah. of mental health is numbing, numbing That's and right. like, right. and, a, and a prescription of some description to, to get you like, to get you through the life and what yeah. it does to yeah. you. Um,
1: and these um, are the yeah. generations we came out of, right? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I even don't want to discredit like the generations previous because it's like it's not like in the early seventies, you know, uh, grown men were sitting in rooms discussing oh, their own mental health incapacities. Of course, like, man. it just didn't even exist. One hundred percent. Man up. Have a drink you know, That's kind it. of mentality, even just the zone. man, the
4: man up, shut up,
1: like take it exactly. like a man. That's yeah, it. Just right.
4: throw one back, get on with it. And yeah, it's, um, it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> it just does like, it's, it's just not healthy. It doesn't work. The statistics prove it. That's the thing. And it doesn't work within, within our industry. And like, yeah, we, like we, it, we have like had that revelation actually as a band, um, Oh, I would have been like nine months ago now. It's like right. time flies, but I'm guessing about nine nine months ago we actually started doing work because everything like went to hell within the band. Like we mm-hmm. we all got pushed to the point where it was like, this does not work. But we had no um, we had nothing to go off on like, how do you fix this? What's the issues? Yeah. Other than knowing that we had no idea what was going on and that it, it was all so like we had all gone down the paths that this industry had pushed us down in terms of just the experiences to a point where we couldn't communicate with the only people that would actually understand what we were going through, which were our band members. Like right. we couldn't communicate with each other and rely on each other. So we had nothing left. Um, and we're at a point where we're like, does this band even exist? Like, do we, wow. do, is this, yeah. are we going to keep doing this? And do we actually want to do it? And luckily, everyone in the band wanted to keep doing it and all kind of realized that the problem was with all of us and it wasn't necessarily intentionally there. Like there was bad blood wasn't there, but resentment was there and resentment was there because we never knew how to communicate because we just manned up and dealt with it. Yeah, the you entire just build, way through. Build yeah, skin you just scan over, scan over, scan over. And, yeah, yeah, scar over, scar over, scar over, sure. scar for the sake of survival within an industry which which makes it very obvious, like that it's a competition and you're replaceable. Like that's the thing. <laughs> right. Like it's all, it's all.
0: Yeah,
4: man, everything is like a. It's it, there is a real feeling like whenever anything is based like around comings and goings of trends, there is the ability for it to be like what you do to be valued at one point and completely void of value within a very quick cycle. So So if you don't, yeah, man, if you don't drive, you, you lose, you lose, you like there's potential to lose it all. And when you come from like our, our background is like we said, like a bunch of surfer kids from a town that has a very small population and we've never had any hopes or dreams of any kind of employment or future in the first place. And when you, when you take, Seventeen years out of the working cycle and education cycle to chase this thing—the idea, like the the stakes become higher. The sure. stake, like the stakes of it all, shutting down. Like you know, you 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 know that it, like being in a band, you have if it all stops, you have a couple of touring cycles up your sleeve to be able to survive before it's like, yeah, no, you you done, you bankrupt right. again. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so Back that's like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and you hit your uh-huh. mid thirties, and you're like well, what happens if the, if this all goes bust now? Sure. Like if this all goes bust now, you are screwed.
1: Yeah. Like you are
4: really, really screwed. That's a fact. Um, mm. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone wanted to do it beyond the, the reason of just going, oh, we're screwed if we don't. We all obviously still cared for each other, but like we hadn't dealt with anything. And luckily, like our, our manager, Luke, who is also our guitarist, was like, yeah. we need someone outside to help us – communicate because right now like we're all very good at talking about ourselves but we're not, we're not good at listening to each other.
1: Mm, and um smart.
4: That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily. Luckily he was smart and luckily everyone in the band is smart enough to go, yes, that's what we should try.
1: And I mean, and, and I think yeah. committed too, I think you deserve yeah, credit. Because yeah. it's like, you know, what you all did. I watched the 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 documentary. Um yeah right and, and I, I thought it was brilliant and I thought to, to make that public and give people access to that yeah, is yeah. brave and important on kind of the same notion we were just talking about. Yeah, um, cheers. You know, and I think it's funny, maybe the only blueprint was some kind of monster. Which, Yo, like, fully. Thank Dude. fucking God for Metallica. They got made oh. fun of for so long. Yes. I said it like years ago. I was like, you know what? Good for them good for them for doing that and i think these are like the fallouts right like
4: that's it 100% like the whole time we were like are we just some kind of monstering this thing but yeah like dude metallica being ahead of their time yet again again yeah yeah, exactly
1: lars is right again 100% Uh, yeah uh I found it interesting. You mentioned it in the doc and even, you know, mentioned it now too. kind of like I've even noticed it a little when I've been to Australia, kind of a very, you know, toxic masculinity, like bro dude yeah. kind of thing there. Like, you, yeah. it's pretty tangible. You can even like oh, you know, I'm at, at a bar in Australia and I'm like, wait, why do I feel like I'm going to have to fight right now? Like,
4: yeah, you know, it's, oh, it's it literally like, yeah, it tall poppy. Like, do you know what tall poppy syndrome is? I don't. Oh, so this is actually acknowledged as a, a cultural thing in our country. It's it's called tall poppy syndrome, oh, and like what the it is, tall man. is oh, yeah. Man. So it's uh-huh. it's the the idea that if someone if someone sticks their head up and is a bit too proud or has a bit too much like sense of self worth and they stick their head up above the others, that they get cut off, that they get cut oh, down, okay. and the idea is that like. We live in a very. We were shocked by it when we first came to to America because the culture is completely different. If someone is succeeding in in America or basically anywhere else in the world, people are like, "Good for you! You worked hard. Well done. Keep going, man. This is Mm. this is inspiring to watch." Mm. If someone does that in Australia, it's generally like, "You fucking wanker! You think you're really good, don't you, man? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and bring you down." to my level rather than like people trying to lift each other up. There's a lot of, we have a lot of pride in the underdog, but as soon as someone stops being the underdog, they then become the target and it's just ingrained in our culture. And
1: so in that way, you always trying to like take each other down a peg.
4: We were, we've always, we always said that we were equal Mm. at the bottom. Like we were all equal as nothing. And it took a long time to to get that idea it's like we we while we always backed ourselves we were all massively insecure mm. um even within our own social group we backed ourselves in the sense of like at the end of the day when push comes to shove like we would get up on the stage and go we will do what we do to a degree that we will force people to engage like we will play as hard and as fast and as well as we possibly can to the point where it's it's undeniable in what we do. If you like right, it, you're gonna yeah. like it. If yeah, you don't at, we're yeah. never gonna convert you, but we're not gonna we're not gonna drop the ball with that.
1: Sure. But
4: sure. but everything else was like we would literally, ten years into our career, we're playing like we're we're, we're almost like breaking arena level in like in Europe and stuff like that. Right. And we're doing interviews and people are like, So what's the secret? How are you how are you guys doing so well? It's been ten years in a band, and our answer would be we don't know. We're idiots. We don't even know how to play our, play our instruments. Like we're just a right, bunch of morons. This right, is just right, luck. Right. And you're like, it's, you've spent 10 years of your life doing this thing and you're still putting it down to luck and you're calling yourself an idiot. <laughs> yeah, like where is point. the sense of self-worth in that? Sure. And it's weird because like, it, it took me a long time to actually have the guts to say, you know, there's more than luck here. Like we've, we've played a thousand gigs. We like, we've watched this grow. We know what we're doing. We know how to play our instruments. We know how to write music. Everything has grown because we have, we've chosen to grow as people. Sure. And at this point, I'm
1: sure you've watched hundreds, if not thousands fizzle out and not, you know.
4: Yeah. And hundreds of like, and other people succeed. And like, you just, you've lived a life in this industry where you've dedicated your lives to an art form. And it's not just luck that you you were not just rocking up, just slapping ourselves against your instruments and going eh, whatever. Yeah, it's been right. like we've been dedicated to it from the start, but we've been too scared to say we're dedicated to it right. <laughs> because right. we've been too yeah. scared to
1: get cut down. So it's kind of a hardcore scene thing too, isn't it? Oh, definitely, definitely.
4: The idea of selling out, like it's fuck, like the
1: anti-art. Like you're supposed 100%, to be man. like artistic while pretending not to be artistic 100% between
4: and also not succeed but also (laughs) but also succeed (laughs) but
1: it's like it's it's all just
4: this entirely like it's 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 so mixed up and messed up in the way that it that it operates (laughs) (laughs) and you tie that in with like with the way that we we've been brought up with the whole tall poppy thing and it and it is a like it's a difficult thing to to confront and it's not just like happening like within the music industry at the moment and in, in our country like it's happening across professional sports all of these things of, of right? the the yeah of like of mental health and the issues of mm-hmm. of dealing with this is really coming to the forefront because it it really is i mean it's it's causing big big problems and for us like putting it out there was we saw it as an opportunity of like we're going through some hectic shit right now and what do you do do you do you put out a social media post where you're like we're just going to take some time off for personal reasons and like just brush it under the carpet? Or do you just like, we've always been honest with what we're doing, but we at least saw the opportunity to have a platform where we're like, I don't know, several hundred thousands or millions of people will will see that we're cancelling a tour and read why we're doing it and then we'll hopefully watch this documentary and understand that talking about, like that, there's there's pathways that everyone goes through mm. this shit. That every single person, like, will will probably come up against something which they don't have the tools to to be able to um, find a path themselves through it. And yeah. if it can happen to us, it can happen to anyone. And if let's just put it out there and be as open as we can about it, and mm. show that like, and show the vulnerability because the vulnerability is the thing that's 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 lacking like that that that's really right. is the thing and if you're not vulnerable how the hell are people supposed to know that you need help sure like uh, like at the, at the very core of it like that's what a community is supposed to be like you look out for the people who are in need and the strongest do that so you can all be better together and was, um, was it
1: scary when when you were doing the film and you were in those moments of
4: No, not really, to be honest. Like it was, no, well, for me, for me, no, um, because, because it's valuable. Like it really is valuable. Like it's not, I mean, what's the worst thing that someone's going to say to me? Whoa, you're a bit weak. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Sure Yeah. (laughs) like that's the whole idea. Like that's like all I, all we're doing is like, is being honest in what's, in what's there. Like the challenge, the challenging stuff was really, was really realizing how much of an impact Th- this band has had on our lives yeah. beyond just like you play some gigs and now you live this life. Like when you actually really look at um, how the time has been spent and the person that you've become and grown into because of twenty what twenty years worth of life experience, which is half my life now, and for the yeah. other guys in the band, it's over half their lives. Right? And some some massive stuff happens in that time, like massive stuff. And as you can see, like like. It, within the, the 35 minutes of that um, Australian story doco, like it's, um, that's still just scratching the surface. Oh, like there's sure, still so yeah. much, there's still I'm so sure. much more there. Yeah. And and you can get, you get an idea of the gravity of what it, what it takes to like, just for our little piece of the story. And when, like, when you, when you start delving into that stuff and really confronting it, because it, it was, it was about avoidance for a lot of the time, avoiding sure. the hard the hard stuff, which we knew was damaging, for the sake of just continuing to push forwards, because you, because of that survival thing. When you right. take the time to stop and go, we're gonna, we're gonna confront this. That's when it really, that was the hard part, and it, and it wasn't. It was just hard because, like, there's, there's pain there, and there's really, really deep pain that people have held onto for a long time, which they yeah. haven't shared, and they've held onto it because they didn't want you to have to carry the burden. Right. They, so they kept it themselves, right. and that's what it. That's what it's all been like. It's all right. been individual pain and pressure held by individuals within a group, rather than it being shared.
1: Yeah. And if you take any group of people from what, like, when did you all started? What towards the end of high school? Yeah. Yeah. It was like two thousand and three. So some some of them were in high school. You know, you look, you know, ten years down the line, and you're now like, wait, we own like a multi million dollar yeah. business, or like, yeah, wait, what and. You know, I almost feel like I, I don't know who could could get through this without some sort of like reassessment. You know, like, yeah, like oh, how could your unified goals be the same? You yeah. know, at, at sixteen years old, than at like forty years old. Like, you just, oh, you know? exactly,
4: yeah, man. It's and, and it's it's a very hard thing to, like, I still struggle to wrap your your head around it as well because it's all it's also the anti-establishment. You've got that that anti-establishment part of the industry on top of it in terms of you never were told how to do this thing. You were never told how to be successful. But then when you look at it, you're like, oh my God, yeah, this is like, this is the equivalent of a massive business venture. Mm -hmm. But you're still just essentially the same Guys, you never went. You never went to university to gain this. This um, right. you never went to college to gain the knowledge on how to do this. No, you've got no mentor telling you how to right. the steps to take. All all of this is happening just because you're doing you're doing what you think is correct. <laughs> right. yeah. And when and when you when you're like when you take that in, you're like, holy crap! What's the next step then? All yeah. you have to like you just have your instinct to go on again <laughs> yeah which and, yeah. and the stakes again become uh, become even more prevalent which is uh sure. which is nuts because now you're not only responsible for yourself but you're responsible for a very large workforce that you didn't realize you were building at this point That's in time right. till yeah. you sit back and you're like well we employ a lot of people
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: yeah I so speaking of which, like this is a you know you grew up in the hardcore scene so I got to imagine the first time you were in front of like pyrotechnics and fire (laughs) and like the lights, it it must've been like, Holy shit. Like what, what's happening? Like, you know, um, (laughs) so, so it's like a double question. Like, like how was it getting used to that stuff? Like coming from where you came from. And then I also wonder like what you think about, you know, once you get to a certain size and you're playing certain kind of rooms and charging a certain amount, how much do you think is like a a responsibility even Mm, of the artist to like make the show worth it, make the ticket worth it? Like, do you think that's part and parcel?
4: So it's a, this is a, this is a really fascinating, I find this really fascinating because I've become really, I'm not, I'm going to say I'm not obsessed, but very interested in, in this exact thing that you're talking about. Like I'm, I'm responsible for most of the, the set design and stage design and right. show design for for what we do as a band. And it's something that I, I just have been drawn to. I don't know if it's like the, the primary school theater kid in me or something like that. But, <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> uh, but yeah, the thing... So for, first of all, yeah, started in a hardcore scene. Like the thing that gravitated me towards this kind of music in the first place was like, there's no barrier. The singer is just my mate, mm. he can't even sing. He's just yelling. This is completely approachable. <laughs> right. And they're just trashing the joint. This is rad. Um, and from there it, it grew into being in bands myself doing that same thing. And then slowly drew like drawing more and more into, I think as emotionally I grew as a person, the, the emotion in the art changes as well. Mm-hmm. And that, that emotion becomes less about just like, I don't like stuff. Destroy everything, <laughs> and <laughs> right. and all of a sudden you start creating things which hit in a different way, and your and the sound and what you're listening from an audience changes, and then that also changes the way people come to expect your music, the, like expectations of the sound, the way they connect with it, and it, and it evolves as you grow as an artist, and for us it's evolved in terms of like not only what we create, but obviously the the band has gone from playing in front of 10 people to playing in front of 10,000 people. Right. And that's a, that's a huge, vastly different thing, but it's taken place over 20 years. Um, And what, what hit me a a long time ago, well, it would have been 10 years ago actually was um, reaching a point where we were at this, I'm not going to say crossroads, but we're at a point where we were approaching things in a very similar way. But, We, uh, as we were originally, but we were also starting to create sounds where like we were pushing at the edges of what had now become art, which was being like the brushstrokes were the same as that we'd used on several songs previously for the sake of comfort. Uh, It was for the sake of like, oh, this is, this is something we know mm -hmm. how to do. And we also know people will react in a certain way. So we'll, we won't push too far, right? but we really want to push further. Um, and that same thing was happening on stage as well. So we, we'd reached a point where it was like, you're playing like a 5,000 cap venue and you're rocking up with a backdrop and two cabs and you're just going, I wish there was no barrier and like people could stage dive. But also I want to play this song that's like got five minutes of like a softer passage in the middle where I want people to just stand still. And then you play that, that bit and you're committed to it on stage and you're feeling to feeling it. And some guy spin kicks you in the face while they're, yeah, <laughs> while they're running right. past you. And you're like, hang on, these, these two things don't kind of connect. Sure, <laughs> Or you <laughs> so, feel like a
1: little naked on stage. When
4: it's yeah. Started, yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. you, and you start, and you start doing that. And then you play a really good, sh- a really good set. And like your, your lighting guy at the time will do something different with the lights. And all of a sudden that passage of music is framed and hits in a completely mm-hmm. different way mm-hmm. than, than it had previously. And you're like, well, what changed? It was the way you framed that part of the set in relation to the visuals that had just as much of an impact as what you're doing sonically on stage, because it's different from just pressing, pressing play on a track. Like you're watching a performance
1: yeah. and from, from taking
4: that in. Yeah. Yeah. From taking that in, like that's where it started changing. It was Uh like, all right, how is this going to like, how are we going to not only create the art and treat what we're creating? Like you don't have to be afraid of creating a weird song. Like that doesn't sound like anything you've done previously because you want to create that and you want to, you want it to connect in a different weird way
1: (laughs) from from weird
4: being in context from anything in the, in, in the past.
1: Were there any shows um, like historically or, or modern or, you know, contemporary band that you were, you were pulling from where you're like, wow, that's fucking cool. Like,
4: I'll tell I'll tell you the
1: biggest thing
4: which changed the my perspective. Like, it wasn't there was always bands like uh, like Converge and like watching you guys play a lot actually on on a bunch of festivals we played. Like the the power that you guys have in the honesty oh, of the performances. Nice, like nice. we draw we draw from e- from everything. The the massive one. um that we had was literally the top of the bar in terms of extremity was watching, um, Ramstein at download. Oh my God. Um,
1: that is crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so we went,
4: so we went, so we were on a, a, a Euro festival to a, like touring cycle where we crossed over with Ramstein a bunch and they're fucking rad. And they're literally the most entertaining show you can watch on stage. Yeah. It's but awesome. we watched yeah. them at download and, Obviously, their show is absolutely mental. But the thing that struck me was how, like, I was like, this is theatre. This is completely theatre from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And this is a band singing in front of 100,000 people in London singing German And none of these people know what the hell he's (laughs) singing. Not one word. Yeah. Not one (laughs) word. But the connection is there, and they are they are glued to what is happening, and there is a transference of energy happening in the same way, if not greater than anything I've seen before, because of the context that it's created in. And it wasn't like what I walked away from with from that was not like I want to be Ramstein, but it was like. They play heavy music and we play heavy music. Right now you've been approaching this from the point of like you can do some things with some lights and you can do some things with some sonics, but I felt my adrenaline lift and I felt those songs that I love from that band be heavier when I was scared as fuck of that fire that they were setting off. And yes. I felt like, I'm like, there's no
1: way this is safe. There's no yeah, way. That's yeah, that's it. That's
4: it. And, 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 it, and I was like, well, what happens if we do that over like one of our heavy breakdown sections?
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. why,
4: why don't we do that? Why don't we, why, why can't we create a, a landscape, a, a cinematography, a universe on our stage that oh, takes yeah. you somewhere that isn't just like, this could be a club, just take away a few of the amps like why aren't you trying right. to be transportative in the way that you are with the music that you're making on a record when you're putting it on sure. a stage and when you when you think about it that way all of a sudden you're like well i have this massive open space to work with and what do you want to give the audience and that's right. the that's the journey that it's been on and it's like, it's that's one that fun. continues to evolve it's like a toy box it's so, it's like, dude yeah. <laughs> it literally is like i literally i design like I workshop our concept on a Lego set at home. Oh, <laughs>
1: for real?
4: Yes. Yeah, for real. Like I got the architectural Lego set, and i like, I built a fake, like a little stage on it to like to the degrees that we get to work, and then I can work out all the sight lines and all of that kind of stuff yes. and what what the shapes are going to look like. And from there, like it really that just comes down to imagination and budget and what you're willing to put into it yourself, because it yeah. also becomes apparent, like when you're like, "Why can't we do that?" Someone's like, "Well." That'll cost you a hundred thousand dollars a show. You're like, well, I don't have oh, that much money, oh, sorry, so I can't yeah, do that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, but you, but you, like, well, what did that? What did? What effect did that create? Like, what did I feel at that moment? And. What, what do I want to create within our songs? Like what, what vibe does each one of these songs or each one of these passages have? Mm. And from the start to the finish of the, the evening or even further back, like what do you want the audience to walk away from? Because they're currently going, here's my money and I'm walking into a giant empty space. Right. And essentially they're yours from that point in time. They want something. They don't even necessarily know what they want. They know they're going to get the soundtrack. They don't know anything other than that. So what are you going to give them? What's going to be? What's going to be something which walks away, which they're like, I now have that experience in my life, which I value. And for me, that's what it's about because it's not necessarily about going in and going more, 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 more. It's not about going. Last time we had eight flamethrowers, now we're going to have sixteen. Like I don't, I like personally, I like I don't don't want to rock up to a a gaslight show and. You spinning around in a drum kit on fire.
0: Wait, <laughs> slow, down, so slow down, You can listen. if you want. Don't limit me.
4: Don't limit my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, the thing, yeah, like I'm sorry, I used to like. I don't want to see. I don't want to see Bruce Springsteen do that. Like I don't. Want, I don't want to see Elton John do that. Max I want Weinberg to in a
1: leather speedo yeah. <laughs> spinning up around. Come on, it'd be great.
4: Yeah, yeah. Like all of these things, it comes. It comes down to like and what you wish to create from that that experience. And the thing that I love about music is you can do it in... You can take a song and put it in whatever context you want, and it can be the same notes and the same music and the same people performing it, but in the same way that you can slow it up, like speed it up, take instruments out, put it back in, whatever. You can make that same song mean so many different things and be executed in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And you can do that visually. So it's not about like like playing the biggest stadium in the world, having to fill it with things that go bang or boom. Like you can create the most intimate setting possible within a, like, yeah, within a stadium. It just comes down to how you execute that. Totally. So yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of my, my approach to it. So I don't really feel as though there's an obligation for more. I feel as though there's an obligation of creative and artistic integrity. Totally. And that's and that's kind of it because I think when artists are, tr- are true to that, they they work like unless you're completely devoid of of soul and it's someone else just doing everything for you, right? Like you you really you're connected to those songs that you want to you want to put out there for people, and you choose yeah. the way that they're yeah. that they're done because because you're the one performing them. It's tangible and and it re- and it resonates with the audience that's the thing and at the end of the day like that's the moment you're choosing the moment and what that moment actually is and how you're curating it mm-hmm. and when they walk in and they've paid for it like that's it they they they're paying for the moment they're not paying for what creates the moment they're paying for the moment itself
1: yeah and they're paying with their time <laughs> right yeah exactly like we especially these days i mean i, I yeah, really man. feel that pressure cuz I mean, literally, what are the most valuable commodities for people? It's it's literally money and time. Yeah. And, and you're just asking for both on yep. a fairly substantial you know, amount. Like, yep. like That's you're it, man. For That's it. Yep. Um, you know, I noticed, and it's something I really appreciate about your band, I think, actually, maybe the thing that really kept me with your band from, you know, like, back in the day till now was your ability to to expand and, oh, and start making records that just like obviously weren't limited in the hardcore yeah. scope yeah. and started opening up to just grander and broader things, which I think gave your band almost like a second life. Um, oh, 100%. And it, was, and it was like a great move. Um, you know, in the same way, visually, did did you find at some point not only the music of hardcore, but just like the... The scene, did, did you find it binding, like where there was kind of a ceiling and you were gonna have to broaden in oh, yeah. out to, to in order to keep going up sort of? Oh,
4: 100 really? percent And and it's not just like it's a like it's a it's something that you put in there as a self-limiting thing in terms of wanting to belong to something. It's right. it's labels. it's like and I'm not talking about labels as in like record labels. I'm talking about labels in general. As soon as you choose to label yourself as a whatever, hardcore band, metal band, rock band, something like that, you choose to place a restriction on yourself because you will, you're you aiming for a slot. You're aiming for like, you're, like, back in the day, it was aiming to be in the punk rock section or the metal section or the alternative section at the record store. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's it. And when you grow up as a kid, you want to belong. That's the thing. You yeah, want to belong. Yeah. So you're doing things that will make you belong. But, um, depending on what you want to do for us, it was, it was constant expansion. And the the expansion started when this band began, because we started as hardcore kids, like, going from like bands that would cover kind of ten-yard fight and <laughs> strife and stuff like that. Toe to toe to was
1: toe to toe. toe, to toe still yeah.
4: There? Yeah, man. Toe to toe was like the, <laughs> the forefront of Australian like hardcore. Bro, so I had toe we to started- toe
1: on a mix in the late 90s. Yes. I was I was on yes.
4: I was on it. <laughs> yes. So it started, it's like it started off as that. But we started Parkway because we wanted to bring in something which was a challenge to what we'd previously done, which was beyond what we'd done previously um, which is where like the the hardcore guys playing a more metallic kind of thing came in and from oh, there right. it's it's only ever evolved it evolved in small steps because what we're doing was successful and we're still trying to work out what we're doing on the earlier. Records, but the more we played and the more proficient we got, the more different things came in. And the the thing for for us, like where the the big leap actually came, was like we we wrote Atlas, um, right. and that had a bunch of tracks on there which were like at the time really stoked with, which hit like the old sounding mark, which were there just to service that. Like it was like this is the comfort Mm. material. This is the stuff you're gonna write because it will make you feel comfortable because the stuff that you're trying to add in was is written in a way that you've done nothing like it before and you know it's gonna be uncomfortable. That this is the stuff that falls outside of the box that you've previously put yourself into. And we released that record and it did great and the band's like the band's trajectory has always been the exact same thing. But there was no, when, you, when you're, that's like record four, when, when it comes to writing another song for record five and you're like, are we still referencing something that we did 10 years ago? Yeah, right, Like, I feel right. like we've referenced that, like, it's, it's comfort enough of a reason just to keep doing that. Like, when, <laughs> right. when the other things are the things that made you super excited Yeah, and that you really connected with, it and scares me things. when I get to that point. I'm like,
1: wait, are people oh, on dude. to us? Like, yeah, like yeah. can we use it's, this fucking trick again? I don't think Yeah, so.
4: that's yeah. the thing. And, yeah. it, and it really was like when, when it came to writing the next thing, it was really, and we, I mean, there was even wilder ideas going, going on in all of our brains. It was like, well, what are you going to do? Because every time you play to, every time you add that bit of comfort to go, no, 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 no. still put us back in that box. We want to be in that box right. for, for the sake of like really just, trying to appease yourself and trying to trying to take care of that fear that someone's not going to like you, Mm -hmm. you sacrifice time that could be spent doing something which you really genuinely want to like, yeah, explore. And for us, we like, we got to IRE and we were like, what are we going to do? We literally wrote like the first song we wrote was vice grip. Um, But the song originally was just a mosh song. Like, okay. it really was like the main riff was actually the breakdown that you hear in that song in the middle eight. Ah, and that okay. was the entire riff for the entire song. It was just this, just, oh, okay. so you were leaning into it. <laughs> we're leaning fully into that part. Yeah, and we wrote yeah. this entire song of it. And we're like, it was pretty good. All right, cool. Let's go on to the next one. And like two weeks later, like our lead guitarist, Jeff, came back to us and was like, I've rewritten that song. This is completely out there. But, man, I love playing this riff and, like, it's got that different sound that we've been talking about for ages and he played played it to me and Ben and we we're just like, this is so out there but this is so fun. Oh, and nice. this is exactly what we've always, like, tried to draw in but instead of, like, this being just the middle eight section, it's flipped around. So, like... That's the, exciting. The catchy, like, lead parts are the main part of the song and this the, the really, like basic stuff that we've done for 10 years is now the bridge part. And we flipped the whole right, thing on its head. Right, right. And now it's got this melodic nature to it, which like the, the the melodicism that we'd had in the lead guitar stuff had always been like just the, the tacked on part. And sure. now it was just the main, the main thing. And we're like, all right, this is this is fun. Let's just keep writing in this way and see what comes out. So now you got um, forty
1: five seconds to Mosh instead of two and a half minutes. Like yeah, fine, yeah. You know? That's the
4: that's the thing. <laughs> but at that point in time, we've got like we've also got four albums of Mosh songs, right? Yeah, and you're, yeah. You're right. reaching the point where you're you're playing sets that are like an hour fifteen long, and you're like you're you're into. Mosh song number thirteen, and yeah. you're wondering why the pit looks tired. You're, trained. you're, exactly right. <laughs> you're yeah, like, maybe, yeah. like maybe we could give them something which adds time for them to breathe before we relentless. play the next super yeah. heavy bit. Yeah. Sure, so, sure. so yeah, that's kind of where where it all shifted for us, and yeah, to make from sense. there, that was like basically. I don't know. We threw all the chips on the table. Like we were like all in on the idea of expansion. This record's gonna have a whole bunch of stuff which is gonna like there's no easing people into if you haven't caught onto the fact that Parkway likes expanding at this point in time in our career, this is where you're either gonna go, oh, I, I thought they might do something like this, or you're gonna go, What the fuck?
0: Yeah. And yeah, a hell yeah.
4: of a lot of people went, What the fuck? and said, This is the end of this band, but
1: you know, that one voice out there yeah. That's like, you know what? I yeah. really like their old shit. They're just doing this for the, you know, it doesn't matter if there's like 1,500 other ones going. Yep. This is yep. fantastic. You can only see that one motherfucker for some reason.
4: That's it, man. That's <laughs> it. But it's like, to be honest, it did really, like the only thing we've ever, we'd ever gone off. We like the, the, the quality control thing of what happens at Parkway is like, it's so simple. It's, do you enjoy listening to it? Do you enjoy playing it? That's it. That's yeah. <laughs> that, that's literally that's all we go on. We're like, does this sound good? Do you enjoy playing it? Like, do you enjoy creating it? Yes. Okay, it's a, it's a Parkway song. That's, that's it. it. Like we wrote, we know that we like we write in a very specific way and that it will come out a very specific way and as long as it it passes those quality control checkpoints, it's 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 worthy and like that they're they actually quite hard checkpoints to get past, to be honest. But the fact that a whole bunch of stuff that we'd never sounded like made it through, we're like, okay, well, cool. Let's just commit to it. Yeah, let's commit to it, and we'll see what happens. And and for all of the oh my gods that happened, like <laughs> yeah. Jesus, we we like we watched it happen. We were like, we put out Vice Group and had people immediately saying, Parkway Drive now sound like Bon Jovi. <laughs> this yeah. band is dead to me. They're got like this is the. This is the nail in the coffin for that band. And it took us four shows of of that tour for it that to become the biggest song that we'd ever written. Yeah. And You're while like, oh, this I'm entire sorry,
1: Bon Jovi yeah. has no hits. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's the thing. <laughs> I was just
4: like, I was it's so strange because that's when you really just do just go oh, the internet doesn't mean anything. <laughs> right, <laughs> because I'm right, watching this right, discourse right. on this bin fire online going, this band is dead. And I'm, I'm also standing on stage just going, wow, we've never written a bigger
1: song in our lives. This is this yeah. is crazy. Right, yeah. It means nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm glad you guys did it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I have a quiz for you, Winston, okay? Yeah, hit so, me up. so I'm setting you up here since, you know, you guys are – you're like Byron Bay, you know, you're, 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 I think you're going to have like a statue there at some point. I feel like. Well, we got a street sign. So yeah, <laughs> there that you came go. first. You know, You, came might, before us. you <laughs> might have a mayorship coming up. Yeah, yeah. You know, who knows? So, so what I wanted to do is give you a little Byron Bay quiz. All right. Hit me up. To see how fucking legit you are. Okay. Oh God. I can, this is great.
4: All right. This is right. the first
1: one I've ever done of these. All right. So question one. In the early 1990s, this was a fun story to learn about. In the early 90s, locals converged for a major protest aimed at keeping multinational fast food chains and other franchises out of town. What was this movement called? Oh, damn. I don't know the name of the movement. I know that we're still doing it and it's still working. <laughs> <laughs> it had a name? It did. Dude. Apparently, apparently, it was dubbed No Way." I'm oh, assuming wow. for, the, for the big Mac. Oh yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. It was for it was from McDonald's. McDonald's were the first ones to try and push in. No Mac and Way, huh? I yeah, thought you were going to be referencing the Club uh, Med uh, ones, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, no, no. And that that's still that's still here. Like it's it's we have we have Subway. Subway got in.
0: Subway, Subway got, Domino's. got
4: in. So I heard <laughs> yeah, McDo- still yeah. no McDonald's though, right? No McDonald's. No KFC. Yeah. Okay. No Burger King. No. How no, did fucking Subway yeah. get in
1: there? I don't. I think because they're like
4: franchises. There's some like. There's some like little way that they got through. I don't, I'm not sure how, but there's a difference in the way that businesses are set up. So yeah, we still don't have the golden arches, man. It's nice. I love it.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, no Mac and way for the future. <laughs> yeah. I, it, was, it was probably one of your fucking parents who named it or something. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm <laughs> definitely sure about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Question two. In the late 19th century, Byron Bay boasted the largest factory of what product in all of the Southern Hemisphere? Oh, Southern southern Hemisphere. The entire Southern Hemisphere. Whaling? Was it whaling or milk? (laughs) You know what? It was the post-whaling industry, which I learned about. I'll give it to you. It was butter. It was butter from, okay But cool. it comes from milk, um yeah and, yeah, and apparently it was because of the lusciousness of your grasses around there,
0: yeah which- <laughs> dude, yeah, we, it was
4: so uh it's it's interesting our um my next door neighbor actually worked in that in that factory oh really? um he's eight he's like eighty five or something now, oh, shit. so I get little bits of uh, bits of town history from him like every time I talk over the fence, and the first house he bought was the the company house that that the factory oh, started at wow, and that that later became Jeff, our lead guitarist's parents' house. And I only found that out a couple of years ago. And I was like, you know, your house was the original Norco house for the original buttery here.
1: Norco, yeah, yeah. That was the company, yeah. Norco, yeah. Yeah, that's it.
4: Yeah, so we, oh, we were wow. good at killing whales and milking cows.
1: I, I wonder if this is why Chris Hemsworth is so buff. It's because of the good grass. Oh, yeah, all the, the, the nice grass. This is how Parkway Drive stays so fit. This yeah, man, we're out there grazing now. secretly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The grass diet. All right, so you got that one. Um, okay. <clears throat> what is Tallow Beach named after? Whale fat. <laughs> yeah. It's it's named for the fat. It is named for the fat.
4: Yeah, like we like I said, whaling. We used to be a huge whaling town and it all used to like they used to pump the I'm not sure about pump, but where they where they process the whales was uh was in the bay of the town okay and on the northerly on the northerly winds the currents would take it out around the bay and would all get trapped like in the corner oh. of tallow beach so love surfing that joint's really good one of the most dangerous beaches in the country so yeah
1: <laughs> so apparently too uh there was a, an event that caused this oh really i didn't know that so up until 1864 uh it was unnamed and then that year, a 100-ton boat, the volunteer, was wrecked on the Cape, killing everyone on board. Its Whoa. Car- it's cargo of tallow, uh, rendered animal fat, as you know, subsequently yeah. washed up on the beach, giving tallow beach its name. Get out. I never knew that. Awesome. This so is a, great. You're educating me. It's a shipwreck, <laughs> a shipwreck, apparently. But Oh, we've got a
4: couple of those in town, so that's, yeah, not surprising.
1: <laughs> so that was the towel. Ta- okay. Now. Question 4. So I'm going to give you that one too cuz you clearly said fat in animals. fat. Yeah. So that was that was very right. Very right. Yeah. Okay, so what is the name the owner of the Beach Motel, Paul Hogan's former manager who opened up the biggest bar in Byron Bay? Oh, oh god. Um You know what sucks? Uh, you probably know this, this guy, I bet. Yeah,
4: like our <laughs> Luke, our Luke, our manager, dated his daughter. So yes.
1: <laughs> and I can't.
4: There's there's fully a connection and and it's like his character name was Strop. Um, yeah. and for yep, some yep, reason yep. John Cornell. There yeah, we go. That's it. John yeah. Cornell.
1: That's it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Because, you know, that's – for for a number of years, that's all any of us knew about Australia was Paul 100%. Hogan. 100%. I'm, I'm yeah,
4: sorry. yeah. And it was a big – it was a strange thing knowing that he lived here when we first moved up here. Like, you drive past and you're like, that's Paul Hogan's house down in that valley. You ever
1: met him? Whoa.
4: No, never did. And I don't think he – I think he's evading tax in this country, so he doesn't live here anymore. So Oh. Yeah.
1: So, so what's the word on that guy locally? Good guy? Not uh, good guy? Yeah. No, I think he's a good guy. Like he's those, fine.
4: Those were the original people who came up here and then – like yeah, did things originally. So, <laughs> in terms think- of like developing this town, I never heard anything bad about him. You think yeah. he surfs? Probably not. No, I doubt it. No, I'd love probably to probably not. Hogan in I've the never water. seen him, never seen him in the lineup. So yeah, <laughs> right.
1: so nailed that one. All right. In what year was it changed from its original name to Byron Bay? There was an original name. Uh, a pre- Get out a pre-white people name. Yeah. Right. Oh, no idea. So there was 17 what? something, 17 something. <laughs> <laughs> Even later, 1894 was the official, what? the official. So European settlers adopted its aboriginal name when the town was established in 1885. No way. But it officially changed to Byron Bay in eighteen. What was the original name? You know what? I'm going to have to email it to you because I do not even want to try to pronounce that's it. Cool. Oh, that's cool. No, no, no. That's here fascinating. Wow. Known as Cavanbar. Oh, Cavanbar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I never knew that. So awesome. apparently they had a name for this place for about 20,000 years before. Yeah. And we just called it. 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 We we named it after Lord Byron. Awesome. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Dude that's been here heaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was even Lord Byron's. Uh, uncle wasn't it oh awesome so, so that 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 was too deep cut of a question when i was uh, researching byron bay because apparently yeah not,
4: you, you 20, would, years of history nothing nothing
1: deep cut about yeah that. Jesus. so apparently it was it was lord byron's uncle yeah who was wow. actually the byron it was named after oh. and then uh what's his face the nephew became famous yeah oh great so <laughs> All right, last one. Who in 1770 sailed past and named it Cape Byron?
4: 17. It's, 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 it's got to be Cook. Yeah, surely it Cook. it's Cook, Captain Cook. Yeah. you got it. Yeah, man. Just like was like, and I'm calling that one Cape Byron. And that one will be Grafton. Wow. it's like <laughs> Cruising not the coast, just naming it after his mates back in England for no apparent reason.
1: I got to say, Winston, <laughs> I I usually stump people in these. You, oh, did I go okay? Oh, uh, I felt kind of embarrassed. Oh no, 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 no! I if I lived there, I'd vote for you. You, you're <laughs> okay. Awesome, you should, sweet. You're, <laughs> yeah. Your statue. I'll put that on my. You should put be, that on my mayor placard. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the Winston statue should be erected beginning tomorrow because three was, out of eight general knowledge questions about you Byron. Nailed, Correct. It. <laughs> nailed it! Nailed it! That's awesome. <laughs> well, great job on the Byron Bay questionnaire. Cheers! I so I'll take that win. Uh, This is a question I I ask all screamers on this show, because Mm. as you know, I'm a big fan of the scream. And (laughs) what do you think is the best scream in hardcore historically and currently?
4: Oh, oh,
1: oh, that's a really, I know I could get you into trouble, so you can name a few of. Nah, no, don't, no. no. So, to call so out your I'm
4: friends. gonna. So I'm gonna go the most, the 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 ones that that have had the most impact on me. Jamie mm-hmm. Jaster from like okay. from perfect. Satisfaction is the Death of Desire, Hatebreed era, because that was like the perfect blend of aggression and heaviness sure. in terms of diction and everything like that. Jacob Bannon, mm-hmm. Converge, mm-hmm. like absolutely, like. In terms of raw emotion and like throat destroying brittleness at the same <laughs> yes, time, phenomenal. Yes. Um, and I'm going to throw something out there completely new, which is just from the the metal realm completely, which is Will Ramos. Um, he his voice is. Uh, Absolutely insane. If, if anyone's seen Lorna Shaw or heard Lorna Shaw, his, his okay. voice, I don't know how he does it. Like there's like, there's dual tones going on. Like it like it's Ooh. it's almost like Mongolian throat singing at some Whoa. point in time where he can hit two notes at once, but it's inhuman in what he can do. That's and nice. I have a massive amount of, res- like, it's just phenomenal what he can actually contort his body in the sounds that he can make. Whoa. It's one of those things where you just sit back and be like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> That's so,
1: yeah, amazing band okay. and, yeah, very talented singer. So, yeah. Great. And what about all time? Like, who do you think maybe like? <sighs> all time, like,
4: oh, that's a really good question. I don't know. I'd still like my favorite still is, is Jamie Jaster or Scott Vogel. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I'll take Hatebreed and Terror as my my two like all time favorite. you like, right in my or metal metal vocalists, That's the thing, because it's that it's about the passion as much as it is the voice. Yeah, and they've both been doing it for so long. And it, it, like for for Scott as well. Like I love Buried Alive as much as oh, I love yeah. Terror. So yeah, <laughs> I love that.
1: Those. If you grew up in the Northeast in the '90s, you would add a yeah. Champion hoodie. Sheep yeah, head, basketball <laughs> shorts. You would have been yep. part of yeah, yeah, part yep. of the thing. All the yep. kids who terrified me. Um yep. that's awesome. <laughs> man, this has been so much fun, Winston. I yeah, really cheers, I've, man. I've wanted to chat with you for a long time. And I'm glad we got this together. Um
4: Yeah, likewise. She's and been. uh
1: yeah, I can't wait to see you out there and before we head out, I was hoping you could give a recommendation for a a book and a film that you currently like. Oh. I know Oy. you're a voracious reader so I was wondering if you've, <laughs> if you've taken in anything um, recently.
4: Oh god, that's uh that's actually really really difficult. I'm so bad at like I haven't read anything other than poetry recently uh, to be honest. So I've like I've got I've got like a a, a Nick Cave book of all his lyrics and I've also um, been reading a Paul Kelly book of poems which is like it's just a uh, a musician australian musician called paul kelly who curated a book of his favorite poetry and i think it's called uh love stronger than death um and films oh damn i'm not sure with that one the, probably the last really awesome one that i that i loved was um everything everywhere all at once ah,
1: that movie I think that's awesome. i think
4: Fuck man, I died during that. I thought it was just absolutely incredible. Yeah. So
1: yeah, and, then,
4: and the the Jamie Lee Curtis and the, the hot dog fingers, like I literally <laughs> fell out of my seat. So yeah. <laughs> it <was> so random. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I don't know. I that was the one that made me really stoked to go yeah. back to cinemas again because like that hit, like that was the first thing I saw after coming out of like COVID. You can't sure. go to a cinema for two years. And then I watched that and I was like, yes. Big screens, weird shit. This is yeah. Rap. <laughs>
1: I just I just caught a, that on the airplane on the last yeah. uh, touring I was doing, and I was like five minutes into the movie, and I'm like, I'm not sure why the fuck I'm watching this. What's happening? And then and then something broke, and I couldn't take my eyes off it for like the next ninety minutes. Yeah, it was that's cute. it.
4: And and every time you think you got it pegged, it does something else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. That was a good yeah, yeah,
1: great. Well, thanks for everything and. Oh, my pleasure. Good luck out there.
4: You too, man. Looking forward to seeing you again.
1: Yeah, I hope we we cross paths soon enough.
4: Yeah, likewise.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.
0: Oh, what the fuck, Brad? (laughs) Really? After all, we got through a whole interview. That was more Lord Lord Byron than... uh... Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) If we were going to do anything, I wanted to do uh, Jim Carrey at the beginning of Dumb and Dumber, you know? (laughs) When she goes, where are you from? Austria? Oh, well, good day, mate. Put another shrimp on the barbie. Uh, um, no, I don't mess with Australians though. They're they're crazy. They'll fight you. They're strong. Ah,
0: oh, dude, I know so many fucking Aussies. It's I can't. But you're right. Some of them are. They do have uh There is a there is a certain type down there, but most of the people I know are just the be- fucking best.
1: You know, last time I was in Australia, it's the night before I leave. I order a drink. I order a Lafroy at a bar. Mm. And The guy goes to me. Oh, good. Pedophile's mouthwash.
0: yeah they'll definitely tell you tell you what they think that's for sure
1: that's cool (laughs) good thanks thanks for just throwing that on me and they're good ball
0: busters too no It's
1: It's, it's a good country it really is but i was i thought it was really interesting when they brought that up in the documentary because you know i even saw it myself you think you know you're in like punk and hardcore and you you know you're part of this counterculture and you're you're free of this like social pecking order that that's been put on us by so many different things and you realize you know it may be better than some arenas but you are just kind of a fucking microcosm of everything else inside of your own little bubble you know unless you're really diligent on not being that so it's uh you know i don't know it's like the classic tale right you take a bunch of fucking kids don't know what they're doing, and you know, all of a sudden, you're just like put in this this position of vast responsibility in a lot of different ways, and it you know it takes a lot
0: to get through it. Yeah, yeah, I love the Ramstein. Um, oh
1: my goodness,
0: I like that. That was a good conversation because, I mean, at the end of the day, I wanted to interject, but he said it all very clearly. It's I, but I, I do want to clarify that, like, I think you know, people. You definitely reach a point where you think about these things, and I think what Rams like. It, basically, what you're doing is you're enhancing your performance. So you're taking what the audience is coming for, and you're enhancing it. So like, mm-hmm. Ramstein would be theatrical with no none of that shit. You know what I mean? You put Ramstein on a stage with a loud PA, and it's going to be theatrical. So mm-hmm. adding all of that fucking gingerbread only enhances the experience. Right. And right. that's why, like, yeah, that's why Springsteen, you can't do that stuff. But he has right. to, you know, and I guess he doesn't really he does do stuff. He just doesn't yeah, he just doesn't exactly. blow off a fucking flamethrower.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not presentations, but he also has like 36 fucking people on stage. Yeah,
0: yeah. And he has a way of presenting the band that is that is the same as presenting him with pyros you know sure, like in a way sure. so I, I like that it's a it's good thing that like I, you know it's funny that you would feel guilty about it you know like but I, know, I get it I, I get why though because yeah you reach a certain point and and especially i mean especially being an australian where yeah they are gonna bust your fucking balls down there about
1: that yeah show. yeah anywhere though it's just like hey, yeah. rock
0: star bullshit what yeah. Is this? yeah we don't like this stuff
1: you know what <laughs> I think it's epic. When I saw Rammstein that one time, I literally thought I was going to die. Fire was shooting from like Ugh. the soundboard to the stage and back, like right over my head. Like what's happening?
0: I've never he- seen him, but I would totally go in a heartbeat to see them. You know what I always <laughs> wondered about them?
1: They did, they did some sort of special album or book or something where apparently they included like penis molds <laughs> where you can make like chocolates or like you know, pastries out of molds of their penises. And uh, (laughs) the thing I always wondered is, you
0: you think they fudged the results? Oh, come on. Like a little? (laughs) Gave it a little more girth little more length. I'd have to see him to know, but yeah, my guess is yeah. My guess is I'm sending a I'm sending my my, my friend. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Out of like eight German guys, there's got to be a couple real small dinky dockles in there, you know.
0: Yeah, totally dude. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with that over the top attitude. I think there exactly. might be more yeah, than exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. To tell me there's no
1: overcompensation going on. Yeah. Come on. Sorry. Someone <laughs> is. Someone is. You know what? brad no i would put my real penis in you would well there you go i'm just like hey everybody this is me you know like it or not take it or leave it this is this is what the good lord gave me
0: i i don't think i would but it's not for (laughs) it's not for reasons of embarrassment it's just too fucking weird for me
1: oh brad i know i know you got you're big as a baby's arm over there i know that (laughs)
0: All right. <laughs> it's time to do the socials. Done? All right. Social media. Right. <laughs> Listen, Patreon. Uh, I, you're Instagram. not going to need their socials, but you can go to our socials and we'll, we'll, they'll be there. We're at going yeah. off track everywhere. Um, mm. But Parkway Drive Official on Instagram, Parkway Official on Twitter... And, yeah, go to our socials for some other links, some Facebook pages, what, what, whatever you need. The Patreon back up and running. Patreon is back up and running. There's a fresh video up there of us um, talking about your recent tour. that's a full-length mm-hmm. video podcast. If you want to be a patron, patreon.com slash Track, And we will need to resume our um, Thursday night uh, yeah. roundtable,
1: fireside chat. How about this Thursday? Let's do it, baby. Sound good?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I miss it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Thanks to Winston.
0: Thank you, Benny.
1: Thanks to you, Brad. Thanks to everyone who listened, who's still here at probably close to two hour mark. (laughs) And uh, thanks to all the patrons for for loving up on Brad. (laughs) <laughs> Making him go from six to midnight once a week, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I just I mean, I'm in good mood. Brad, filled with love. I love you.
0: You did a good job. I love you too, Benny.
1: All right, let's get out of here before we.